It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Isaac, Eric, Steve, Sean, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss the 1973 Columbo episode, Double Exposure. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, those between unaffiliated to the Not Star Wars podcast with all five of us because scheduling and uh, I guess whodunits and uh, who said what now and that. So we're not doing solo tonight. We could have, but like I said, just stuff happened, so whatever. Instead, we're doing Columbo. (laughs) Yes, we're finally here after how many years have we been saying that we're going to do Columbo? It's probably been since like 2018. You've been hinting that I'll come down the Yeah, pipe. good grief. Like five years, eh? Five years. Oh, man. And we're not just here on our own. Of course, we have, yeah, the Star Wars crew with Eric, Steve, and Sean. And Steve and Sean have a particular relationship to Columbo that uh, I'm tied into. And do you guys want to mention anything about that? Gentlemen, welcome. Sean, I think Sean's related to Peter Falk. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, Eric, oh, can you look wow. this up, please? I'm trying to figure it out right now. I, no, uh, how are you going to? Oh, my gosh, you people. <laughs> Well, it's got your DNA, Sean. Yeah, do you not remember that time he was at your house and like you know took a blood sample without you knowing? <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't blood. It wasn't blood. It was, it was from the comforter, actually. Ah, yeah. got it. Oh, it was the Interstellar one. It was yeah, it was something else. <laughs> if anyone's uh... Eric is not lying. I do have a comforter that has got blood stains on it, and oh. the cleaners couldn't get it out. Oh, I also got a protein. That's a noodle incident. <laughs> Steve and I used to uh, co-host the second most popular Columbo podcast ever called the Columbo Confab. And I say second popular because when you type in Columbo into the Apple Podcasts app, it's the second podcast that comes up. I can attest. It's true. Yeah. We're we're still... Sean, you were telling me last week and that we're still getting a lot of downloads for that, even though we stopped doing it two years ago. Yeah, we are getting probably as many downloads as we did for the TARDIS Tavern way back there. It is immensely popular. Um, Sweet. I, I've had... <laughs> I, I, uh, I've had people... This is kind of bragging. I don't like to brag, but what the fuck. Hmm. Um, I, was, I belong to a couple Columbo Facebook pages... And like I've put, you know, I've made comments, and they'd say, "Are you Sean from the Columbo Compad podcast?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's me." Like, oh, I've never met somebody famous before on Facebook. Famous. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting because we do. We currently are doing a, a Murder She Wrote uh, podcast, and that's not nearly as po- uh, popular currently as the Columbo one that we used to do. Well, I mean, it's not bad. It's just. It's just, aren't we getting more downloads for Columbo than we are for the Murder, She Wrote? Yeah, without a doubt. But I think Murder, She Wrote's going to get there. Um, 
and uh, so much that um, we're actually we actually had somebody reach out that has like a, a real podcast. When when I say real podcast, I mean I know every what we do is a real uh, podcast. Uh, like, that's an insult to this podcast and everyone else. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, this is not a real podcast. What are you talking about? I agree. They have commercials. <laughs> they actually have commercials. And they've only had nine episodes and they have like 31 reviews. We have commercials. Yeah, I was just... Uh, I mean, they're fake. I was but... just listening to an episode of Columbo Confab last night. And in it, uh, Vincent Price was uh, doing a commercial for you guys. Really? Oh, yeah. Advertising... Uh, Mm-hmm. Agatha Christie uh, set. Oh, yes, Ooh, cool. I remember that. I have that whole set, by the way. I have that whole set of books. Oh, wow. Um, this lady that does a uh, Poker Face podcast reached out to us, and she's going to be on the podcast next weekend. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that'll probably come out before this one does, because I know you're going to drop this on your feet, too. Yes. Wait, what? Oh, hi, everybody. I want to say, uh, when it comes to Columbo, Columbo Confab was kind of my introduction. I mean, I'd seen some episodes when I was a kid here or there, but it just kind of seemed like the other cop shows on TV. I didn't really quite get the what made this show so unique. And it wasn't until your podcast that I, I jumped over and finally finished that stuff. I was a big fan back in the Tars Tavern days, so yeah, it was nice to finally get all of Sean's endless references to Columbo on that program. Did you watch any kind of murder mystery programs before for that uh i watched them because i was around people who watched them my mom was always a big fan of bones and or not bones um what's that one uh criminal minds and csi and so she was watching those all the time and i i would watch those a little bit i'd watch uh, kojak a little bit here or there on tv mm-hmm. um but i actually had a girlfriend who was a big Columbo fan and she would watch it and i would just kind of sit there and play but no no i never had too much of a an inclination towards murder mystery TV. The thing about it is when you mention it to people and you say what the show's about, they say, well, that's not really a mystery because they show who the murderer is right away, except with mm. the exception of like two episodes. Um, but wait, I, I just want to say, but then when you watch it, it's better. But I just want to say, I think it's having kind of a, uh, is renaissance the right word or resurgence? Resurgence. Yeah. Yeah, resurgence, definitely. I see a lot more people. Yeah, mentioning it. It was on the air in the 70s. It came back in the early 90s for a few episodes. Um, then Peter Falk got sick and died. And Ripper. nobody, like you would say, I love Columbo. Nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it had a bit of a resurgence. Younger people were watching it because they would show reruns on some of the, um, uh, the, the Cozy channel and the, I think it a couple other channels on cable. classic television channels basically yes thank you yes where you'd watch and then uh and then we can't go on any further without mentioning poker face which is pretty much uh, the, it's it's my boyfriend ryan johnson's uh Ugh. love letter to columbo oh my god don't start yeah, let's not bring this is even though it's the star wars crew this isn't the star wars uh, yeah. series let's uh yeah, focus on his murder mysteries. Knives out. I don't say anything about Star Wars. We all know what she meant. We all know what she meant. <laughs> and if you and I, I'm told that it also um, it's been inspired by a number of other cop shows, including The Rockford Files, Incredible Hulk. Um, I should see more of those shows, but I haven't seen any of those shows since I was a little boy and don't remember. Uh, but if you watch Natasha Leone on that show, she's basically channeling Peter Falk. And her and Ryan, Ryan Johnson were big, or are big Columbo fans. 
Well, even the opening credits are in the same font and color. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, the There is something missing, though, from many of those Poker Face episodes, and that's the class thing. Um, and by class, mm-hmm. I don't mean, mm-hmm. like, whether or not you're classy, but, you know, Natasha Leone is like Colombo, and she's kind of, you know, kind of rumpled. Uh, she drink. He doesn't drink, but she drinks, whereas he has a cigar. But um, a good example, or a bad example, is like the second episode where the crime is committed by a mechanic. He pushes a subway guy off of the roof of a of, of something, and but you know that you don't have your class thing there. In Columbo, it's always Columbo. He makes ten thousand dollars a year as a cop, and it's him versus. A movie star or a heart surgeon or a you know a high-end lawyer or something or a in this case a uh i don't know what you would call dr bart kempel keppel i don't know a mind bender or whatever the fuck he does uh or a mystery a best-selling mystery author um and of course the classic formula is we see the murder committed the murders you know committed by some hoity-toity person and it's always you know a very clever murder Columbo comes shuffling in and the murderer thinks, my God, what a slob, what an idiot. And throughout the episode, you slowly see the murderer start to deteriorate, deteriorate as he realizes that Columbo is onto him or her. And then eventually Columbo comes in, usually carrying a crumpled paper bag with some sort of evidence in it. But not usually, but it's happened several times. Either that or a hard-boiled egg. Yeah, hard-boiled egg. eats hard-boiled egg, smokes. And he's got a dog that he doesn't know what to call, so he just calls it dog. Yeah, doesn't have it on a leash, at least in the next episode. I always assume Columbo had some really bad gas. I mean, he was eating chili, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. coffee. Oh, man. Probably got some gas decks in there, too. Probably no one wanted to be his partner. I mean, it's... Except for Wilson. Was it Freddie Wilson? I can't remember his name. He was only in two episodes, but he was very memorable. <laughs> Well, before we jump into fully discussing Double Exposure, the episode for today here, I am curious about uh, Eric and Isaac. What's your history with this show? Starting with you, Isaac. Thank you, sir. Uh, so I've seen Columbo, bits and pieces of Columbo, uh, you know, on, on, you know, like classic TV channels or TV channels that play classic TV. Excuse me. What what that means, obviously, is usually TV from like the yeah. 20th century, uh, mid to, I guess, late 20th century. Uh, and you know, yeah, I guess I didn't. Uh, I had no clue of the formula, as Sean uh, and Steve mentioned. Uh, where you know, it's it's all an act. Uh, the, the fact that you know, uh, Columbo acts bumbling and whatnot, and kind of gives uh, make leads himself to be like you know a, a stupid moron or something like that. When really, no, he's just he's just like biding his time. He's he's playing. He's he's waiting. He's waiting to for them to slip up. But he's still like he's on them. He's he's always on them. I didn't I didn't get that. Uh, and I really do have a lot of respect for the show. I, I, I really do like it. And, you know, you don't, you, I don't think you see, like, much of this kind of, like, stuff anymore. Um, and, yeah, this, well. is the, this is absolutely what you were talking about, Caleb, a few weeks ago when we were talking about, like, you know, episodic television. Like, this is the, like, definition of episodic TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a speakeasy to come. And, P.S., just to comment on what you're saying, yeah, he always pretends to be the bumbling moron. But he's really clever until you get to the 90s. And it's like, I don't know. It kind of seems like he is a bumbling moron. Huh. <laughs> we'll discuss that maybe one of these days. <laughs> uh, Mumble something in Italian. I, I solved the crime. But for you, Eric, what's your experience with this program? 
I've never seen it in my life. What? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I would catch it um, starting in the late 80s, and I would always, I only ever saw it like live on air. Um, and, you know, I also remember, I don't know at what point they started doing this, but it was basically, it would become like a, like a movie special of the week or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and so because I grew up with only free TV, whatever the movie special of the week on in whatever broadcast network station, I would probably check out whatever it was. Um, cause I didn't have many options in those days. And so I would, I caught probably most of those, um, like in the late nineties, I mean, late eighties into the nineties. Um, and I know it's interesting just in the sense that I never really watched, um, any type of mystery or cop shows, um, growing up. I mean, the closest thing I could think of is Moonlighting. That's like the only other detective-y type television show I ever watched, um, back then. Um, and yeah, and I would just catch it and I liked it and it was cool, but I didn't understand, you know, the nuances that you guys have been describing until around the time the confab started, uh, Columbo became available on, maybe it was Netflix? I don't know what it was streaming on back then. Yeah, it was on Netflix at one time. So yeah, it must have been Netflix. So I just started watching it from the beginning, and I just saw like the first four, I think. And and watching those at that time, that's when I understood like the whole thing about the format and everything. Uh, and I just remember really loving it because that whole aesthetic, especially with the first ones, how they really feel like you know, old, um, uh, films of that era and just, and I, I loved, you know, how Netflix, that's when I was realizing, you know, all these classic shows, if they're preserved properly, they're all like an amazing looking, like analog HD. Um, and I would like marvel the cinematography because like modern television, especially at that time, just like seems so trashy. I'm talking about the way it was made, not the content itself. Um, I just loved all the thought that was put into it being vintage television. But yeah, that's about it. I don't know about maybe cinematic is a good word um, with a few exceptions. But uh, for me, part of the fun is watching it now and seeing all the old actors that you recognize from something. Like I remember one time I was watching Silence of the Lambs for uh, the shit we watch on Netflix, which was our podcast after we were done with Columbo and I'm like wait a minute that's that lady from Columbo and I the senator love the suit remember that lady she was an episode in an episode of Columbo she played the drunk wife or a drunk wife there were many drunk <laughs> wives and widows in Columbo <laughs> exactly and, and you know seeing uh it, it, there's a, a Columbo murderer trifecta and this is one of the reasons that I picked double explode exposure there's Ro- uh, Robert Culp Jack Cassidy oh. and Patrick McGowan. Uh, they've each, I think Patrick McGowan has done four, and then Robert Culp and Jack Cassidy have done three. Oh, yeah, Culp did three. Yeah. Culp, I think Cassidy only did two. No, he did three. No. He did Murder, Murder by the Book, um, The Great Santini one, uh, and uh, Publisher Parish. Right. This tastes like boff! Wait, wait, um, wait Culp? Robert Culp, he, he did more than three. Oh, he was he was in uh, one from the 90s, but he wasn't a murderer. Oh, yeah, Columbo goes to college. 
Yeah. Right. Oh, I didn't know if we were just talking about as the murderer or not. Okay. Yeah, that was a great episode. And Jack Cassidy, he was my favorite of the bunch, but but we will get to that in a little bit. I am curious for you, Steve. What was your history with this program? Just for the uh, the readers, as, as Sean would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, before the, the podcast with uh, Sean, actually I had no history at all. I, I was aware of the show. Um, I, I guess I was more aware of... Who's the uh, the actor who was famous for doing his impersonation of, of Peter Falk's Columbo? Uh, he was in like uh, Kevin Pollak. Yeah, Kevin Pollak. So I was more aware of him just as a, a cultural icon and comedians riffing on him, you know, every so often. So you know, like things like Family Guy or something like that. But uh, I don't know how Sean got me to start watching the thing. Um, I remember. I can. Can I tell the story? Oh yeah, sure. May it help me remember. You were visiting me in Austin for my birthday, I think. And we were upstairs watching TV because Tom was drunk and went to bed. And you're like, you know, why don't you show me some of that Columbo? And it was almost like somebody said, you know, I'd like to try some of that pot. I've never been high before. <laughs> oh, no. So I. That is how it turned out. I showed him an episode, one of my favorites, called Playback. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. I hated that episode. That's one of my least favorite episodes. <laughs> but then I, I love it. So funny you picked that one. You picked that one. What, uh, somebody, it's like, okay, let's see what the hell you're going on about. You pick perf- one of the worst. It's got the perfect. It's, it's, Go on. I, it's got the perfect gotcha clue at the end. It's perfect. I think you need to rewatch it. But anyway, so then the next morning, he's like, I want to watch another one. So I showed him the Dick Van Dyke one, um, Negative Reaction, which is great because Dick Van That's Dyke, a really good one. Yeah. yeah. He's like, Excellent. you know, Mr. Nice Guy. And he's like such an asshole in this episode. And I would have picked that for this, but I picked two for this and I picked two of the shorter episodes. And Negative Reaction is one of the longer episodes. But it's just so much fun watching that. Number one, it's a great mystery. Number two, just watching Dick Van Dyke get angry and... <laughs> oh, he's great. Well, but, yeah. Yes. It's so good. It's like one of the best things he's ever done. And then... Um, still with us, by the way. Yeah, still with us. I don't know how much longer. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yes. He won the Let's Be the Oldest Living Person contest over <laughs> Angela Lansbury. <laughs> how old is he? How yeah. old is Dick Van Dyke now? He's at oh. least like over ninety-five, I think. Yeah, he's Eric. Huh? Yeah, Eric, you're you're our researcher, I think. Why don't you? Uh... Yeah, get to oh, it. Oh, okay. Jeez, please, <laughs> please, wouldn't go miss. I can hear the clickety clack of the. Keys. I was listening to K-pop. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, here we hey, go. What song? Mbop. <laughs> That's not K-pop, sir. <laughs> Well, for you, Sean, round us out here. Give us your, your backstory with this program. Uh, when I was a kid, I was really into murder mysteries. I read um, a lot of Agatha Christie. I was obsessed with and then there were none. And my mom was like, oh, Columbo's going to be on. Sean, you'd love this show. And she uh, videotaped on Beta the episode. And I remember, ironically, this is a coincidence. This was not on purpose. It was the very first episode that we did for the Colombo Confab, Lovely But Lethal with Vera Miles, where she bludgeons Martin Sheen with a microscope. And I didn't like it. I thought it was boring as fuck. And then <laughs> many years later, I was at my grandparents' house because uh, I would go over there for fun like a big dork. 
because you know basically it was like for food and you know yeah i did the same <laughs> and my grandpa's like columbo's on sean have you ever seen columbo okay and the episode was etude in black starring john oh. castavetes as the murderous uh fuck what do you call it? conductor uh, he was basically Tar before the movie Tar. He was such an egomaniac <laughs> asshole. And uh, that was it. Uh, I remember Channel 66 in Chicago. I would start taping them. And I would tape them on SP mode on the on the VHS and be there with the pause button for when the commercials came on. And <laughs> boom. And Columbia House came out with a Columbo collection where every month for $30... They would send you a videotape of a Columbo episode in a very handsome plastic case. Sweet. But they only did like 10 or 15 of them. And then it came out in DVD, and now you can get that for $30. The whole freaking set. Oh, and you know what? They're coming out with it later this year. Um, they're releasing them on Blu-ray. Cool. Oh, damn. And allegedly, according to Columbo File, who is the Columbo expert... There will be a commentary for every single episode. Now, oh my goodness, I don't know if that's true because most of the people from the '70s are dead. <laughs> you know, you're not yeah. going to be able to get Robert Culp or Patrick McGowan or Pat Peter Falk. They're all dead. Um, but I'm like, well, every single one. There's 69 episodes. They could have found somebody else to do a. You know, I know podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. you guys up. Yeah, of course. They do that on Criterion and Doctor Who all the time. So, yeah. So look out for that if you're a, a huge Columbo file. 97. 97 years old. My goodness. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Keep going, brother. William Russell's got him beat. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> it's competition now for them. Oh, but yeah, I guess that I guess that brings us around to finally discussing tonight's episode, Double Exposure. And I'll say for you, Sean, since you mentioned Etude in Black, uh, that was actually going to be one of, the, uh, one of the ones I was going to suggest, but then I pass it to you to pick them. Since I figure you have the more uh, the more uh, experience there. But yeah, Double Exposure. Yeah, why, why did you pick this one? Was it just the Robert Culp connection? Uh, it was Robert Culp. It's not one of my favorite episodes. Uh, you asked me to pick two, and I don't know if we're doing two tonight. Um... I, I picked this one and try to catch me or catch me if you can, as Steve calls it. Um, I picked this one because easy mistake. <laughs> I picked this one because yes, it has Robert Culp in it. And I think it personifies it's the epitome of Columbo meeting the murderer. And then you see that slow deterioration, the seesaw of Columbo being on the bottom and then mm. slowly over the episode, it's the other way around. And if you watch this thing on mute, I mean, other than the murder, nothing happens other than Peter Falk and Robert Culp talking in rooms. And, you know, Culp drinking in his office, which, by the way, that's a 70s thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody's got a bar. Oh, 60s. 60s. 60s, too? Oh, yeah. Got, everybody's got a bar in their office or living room, and it's like, Jesus Christ, no wonder they all died early. I should talk. Um, I think it's a perfect uh, example of that. Um, and Robert Culp, uh, in his three times in Columbo, he he usually plays well. They're they're all assholes, but he's yeah. an exceptional asshole. And in this, he just, he's, you know, um, 
I think the the perfect and I'm sorry I'm talking so much. It's the bourbon and also I'm talking about good. Columbo. <laughs> that scene in the supermarket is probably one of the best Columbo murderer scenes. Because Columbo shows up and he's doing uh, Robert Culp, Dr. Bart Keppel, uh, who he constantly has to tell him that's Dr. Keppel, uh, Columbo. But Columbo shows up with like eight books that he's checked out of the library and he brings it actually to the supermarket. And, you know, for him to track him down in a supermarket, he probably had to make a couple phone calls. And he starts the conversation with... Um, with complimenting Keppel, like, oh, you wrote all these books. I didn't realize I was in the mind of a genius. And then he starts talking about, you know, and, and Keppel's like, well, you know your way around a store, Columbo. And they're kind of sucking each other's dicks for a while there. I missed that cut. And then no, <laughs> that's, that's on the dark web. And then, you you know, Keppel is, he's doing his work. He's like, okay, we're going to, he's looking at the monitor where he, they're, they're filming customers. And he's like, okay, go to that lady right there. He's doing that in, during his conversation. And then he gets a little bit irate. And I can't remember the topic that Columbo brings up, but it makes Keppel look really guilty. Like, why did you turn on the recorder? I thought you said this and that. And Keppel doesn't lose it. But by the end of the supermarket scene, he's sort of like on the cusp. And he really almost loses it when Columbo does his classic... Uh, one more thing, and yeah, and usually, I don't remember if they do this with this scene, we see Columbo leave, and then zoom in, well not zoom in, but you know, a shot of the murderer gritting their teeth angry, like, oh my god, what am I going to do with this guy? Um, compare that to the golf scene, where he pretty much doesn't give a shit, he's just gonna, he knows that Columbo knows, Columbo knows that he knows that he knows, and so, you know, uh, the only thing that one thing that really bothers me about the episode I'm, uh, is that I don't know if that murderer could really successfully be pulled off. Um, that's kind of random. Feeding him caviar and then putting the subliminal cut. How did he know somebody else wouldn't see the subliminal cut and go out in the hallway as well? But he was he was he was the like only one who had the the caviar. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But he. He doesn't know what the other, like, seven or eight people ate. I mean, anybody could be thirsty. I'm thirsty right now, see? You mean, like, the doctor character or, like, uh, the, 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 the victim? Oh, I mean, wait. Yeah, I'm confused. I was Anybody else in that theater that was watching, <laughs> you know, the horny guy or the lady that's like, it's awfully hot in here. Um, any one of them could have well, been thirsty as well and gone out to get a drink of water. Well, Keppel does have a rebuttal for that. He says that they all work for uh, Norris, and Norris is a little bit of an asshole, mm. and they wouldn't leave because not until the commercial's done, because he don't he'd want all their opinions. So okay, all right, okay, sounds good. I just assumed that his uh, the doctor's butler just only served uh, the victim uh, the caviar. Yes, that's that's also what I assumed. Exactly, he got it specifically for him. But during that uh, supermarket scene you mentioned, we also get another one of my favorite Columbo tropes, where he's absolutely stunned by fairly simple technology. I mean, he sees, <laughs> like, you're filming these people out there? Oh, that's me! He's, he's so, like, shocked and amazed. <laughs> like, some of that stuff, I don't know if it's an actor, if he is just baffled by the world changing around him. I think he's baffled by the world changing <laughs> around him. I really do. I think it's a combination of both, for the character, I mean. 
you'd think that, but it comes up so often that it's like, I don't know about this guy, man. <laughs> I, I, no, but because if we treat him as, as a real person, the character, obviously a lot of his affect is an affect. I mean, like, yep. like conscious affect. So where do you draw the line? How can you draw the line at that at that point? Like, you know what I mean? The, oh, no, that's his natural self versus it's not his affect, his put on affect. And that is part of the fun of the show. Always trying to who who is the real Frank Colombo under this mask that he's constantly wearing? Right, exactly. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know. Because <laughs> if you guys are falling, for, I feel like you guys are falling for that like a killer would. If you just like, oh, that's just the way he is, constantly bewildered. Uh, it just it comes up so much, and <laughs> there are moments. I mean, he's obviously a very learned, extremely, and I get it. A lot of intelligent people can be out of touch with things, but. That's why I feel like he's, he has to has he has to have some type of understanding, you know. I don't I don't think he does, uh, just because there are times when he's talking to somebody that the person has nothing to hide, like say a secretary. Remember, there was one episode where he told the secretary after her her boss was killed, he he's looking at the fax machine. He goes, "These machines, they they baffle me. How does this work exactly?" Um, oh yeah. Yeah, he not only does he is he amazed by the technology, but he also seems like he doesn't want anything to do with it at times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was that one episode though with a TV executive where he was hypnotized by stupid special effects on a television screen. Yeah, nineties. Let's. Uh... You timed it, Steve. You remember this? How long did it go on, Steve? Are you okay over there? No, I don't. Rem- <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't remember what that was. Yeah, that was real early on. That was like 2017 when you guys did that one, I think. Yeah. Even in this episode, though, when he is leaving, like, the doctor's office, uh, this, his secretary's there, and she has the phone for him. He's like, line two. He's like, which one is that? Line two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know what structure it'd take with this. Did you guys want to go more through the episode in, like, our kind of sporadic style that we do with the Star Wars stuff? Or do you want to do the confab style of kind of going through it and kind of piece by piece? Uh, we can do it sporadically like y'all usually do. Sure. I guess. That's my vote. Um, but I guess if we're doing sporadic, then there's one thing I wanted to highlight. Because when I was watching this, I was like, man, this feels like such a... Getting the formula of Columbo down to like a science. and Everything's working just the way it should. But at the same time, it, it is so formulaic in terms of the Columbo style. Like we have, for instance, the projectionist coming in there. Oh, of course he discovers the murder partway through. And he's got to wind up being the second victim. They always do that in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of little little pieces. And so I looked up the writer. I was like, is this guy a Columbo regular? He seems like he's got down so well. Uh, Stephen J. Uh, Cannell, I think. Some Italian. It turns out this is only episode that he wrote for Columbo. Some Italian. Yeah, some, <laughs> some Italian guy. You know, they were all over the place in the 70s. Mutter something in Italian. <laughs> kind of like the Stephen that's on this podcast right now. He's Italian? Really? Cool. Yeah, this is the, f- the only episode that he wrote for Columbo. But this guy was massively prolific with uh, 80s television in particular. Uh, not only did he create uh, Beretta, that uh, kind of forgotten cop show, but he also created The Rockford Files, Hardcast and McCormick, The A-Team, 21 Drum Street, Silk Stockings, and believe it or not, he also created The Greatest American Hero. Oh my. Uh, wow. uh, that old classic show. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Exactly. There you go. Thank you. This guy's a huge uh, force in, in television in the time. So so I guess he just knew what he was doing. 
Robert Culp was in Greatest American Hero, wasn't he? I don't remember. Oh, was he? Am I thinking that? I, that may be wrong. No, 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 he was. He, yeah, no, he played the CIA agent. Okay. Uh, that was kind of the, the partner with, um, oh, I forgot who the character was. Bill Maxwell. Greatest American Hero. Yeah. <laughs> that was another show that I used to catch on those, like Isaac mentioned, like the classic TV channels. I'd watch that every now and again, but I'd never gone back to it. I've always been curious, too. I was watching something. It, it, they Apparently, those two didn't get along with each other, either. Hmm. It was all good until uh, that guy got hit in the head with a bucket at the prom and <laughs> killed him. Ouch. Damn. He was almost Han Solo. Well, I don't think he was almost Han Solo, but he could have been. Wow, William Cat is Han Solo. That would have been extremely different. That would have not. Yeah. I can't see that working. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just say that because... Uh, I've got whatever the fucking extended edition or something, and they've got the... Carrie and Star Wars were being filmed at the same time, I think, and the auditions were being held at the same place. So you can see Carrie Fisher auditioning for Carrie. You can see him, William Cat, auditioning for Han Solo, and kind of vice versa. Man. Wow, look at this. Uh, uh, surprise for the Star Wars series. Sean's the one bringing it back to Star Wars and bringing out some... <laughs> Some Star Wars facts for us. There are no <laughs> Columbo connections to Star Wars that I know of. Oh, I'm sure somebody must have popped in. Oh, there has to be. Uh, yeah, hang on a second now. Oh, no, <laughs> there is one. The guy that did the voice of the Emperor in Empire Strikes Back was a ah, Columbo murderer. Interesting. Oh, there you go. Clive Revel, or Revel. Still with us, by the way. Not a good Columbo episode. Oh, which episode was he in? Do you remember? I don't know. Eric? <laughs> what? I didn't get a question. Steve? Steve, do you remember? You're a guy in the chair. You gotta you gotta look this up. I don't know. <laughs> what were your thoughts on this one, Steve? Were you happy that this one came up again for you? No, I mean, uh, anything with Robert Culp, he's great. Uh, one, of, one of the great things that he seems to do really well is his... Um, the kind of the building of his anger at Columbo. Well, mm -hmm. in, in any of the episodes, Robert Culp does when he's the murderer. Yeah, but he just he just builds and builds. It's like almost like a pressure cooker. And he, mm -hmm. When he loses it, I mean, it's it's just wonderful. He just you know, it's so well done. I like to think that he's not really acting, but uh, <laughs> he's just getting really <laughs> pissed off at Peter Falk. But uh, yeah, what I like I like in this one that it's because some of the other ones I feel like he gets more heated more quickly this guy's so good under pressure he's almost in a way charmed by Columbo. it seems like wow this guy he looks like a moron but he's actually pretty smart but once he realizes oh no he's too smart and he is going to figure out my brilliant plan that's when the the pissed off robert, yes. robert Culp starts to leak through yes and he he doesn't get quite as pissed off as he did in the football one the name of which totally fucking escapes me i think it's the most crucial game because then yeah. there's also yeah He's just pissed off at everybody at the beginning because he's got a shitty boss, you know, and all that. Um, but that's that's one of the reasons why I picked because it's like, okay, I, and it's it's funny when I first showed uh, Steve the first episode, Steve kept going, he's so annoying, like about Columbo, <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, that's the point. That's what we love about Columbo, but that's what these murderers are thinking about. I'm like, why can't he just? go away please um 
I don't think a lot of these would be held up to legal scrutiny, to be honest. I mm. yeah. yeah, we can discuss that, too. Yeah. But I did find out which episode Clive Revel was in, and it's one that I like quite a bit. It's another... I think it was one of the other long ones. It's The Conspirators. Yeah, the IRA one. Yeah, that was the last of the 70s, and I found out it was one of the first that we podcasted on, and I found out later it was not written for Columbo. Um, it has a little bit of a different feel. Oh. Yeah, that's one of those ones where Columbo and the murderer, they're kind of buddy-buddy the whole way through, and mm -hmm. I always like that, too, with Columbo, when it ends and they're still kind of amicable, even though it's like, ah, fuck, you caught me. But they're still have such chemistry. I always like that. Yeah, they're, uh, the other one that I picked, and I don't know if we'll really talk about Try and Catch Me with Ruth Gordon. I also picked it because, Eric, we're doing 1968 Best Picture Pod for the Best Picture Podcast. Take a drink, Steve. Um, but she she won Best Supporting Actress over all those other four people that we saw in, in films. But she's like that, too. 1968. Was that for Rosemary's Baby? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh. oh, okay. I didn't know that was wow. That best supporting actress for that role. Hmm. I know, and that was in the '60s. That would they they hardly they won't even nominate Tony Collette for uh, Hereditary. You know, I'm surprised that they would nominate an award, an Oscar to Ruth Gordon. And don't get me started on the Oscars, although it's very nice, very good right now. The last year. Well, Polanski, you know, I mean, he was an Oscar darling. Yeah. Uh, they all, you know, uh, well, let's. Uh... He still got one <laughs> later on, though. But by the way, that last Oscar <laughs> ceremony true. has left me very, very happy. All four of those people that won an award, one of which her debut was in a Columbo episode, um, they all thought their careers were, you know, pretty much over. Uh, you know, they were only going to be hired for, you know, the usual parts, and then they all win an award. For this movie and that made me very very happy it's an american comeback story yeah that would be jamie lee curtis her first thing that she ever did was a columbo episode in which oh, yes. she played a waitress yes the first one you guys ever covered on the tardis tavern if i remember correctly the uh i always forget to say it. yeah the, the sky high the sky uh, uh the or the bye 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 sky high iq case yeah iq murder case i think that's it kind of a dumb murder but it's still kind of a good episode yeah great mood in that episode love that one oh uh, but uh steve uh i'm I, if you don't if you don't want to do it sure but uh since you're so good at it on the show uh take us through the murder that we see here sam i do like this one take you through the murder um yeah I, I, what, what's the the key moments of it for us here what's the mechanism behind it well uh you know he uses um, Robert Culp's character, uh, Dr. Kelp, is into, what, is he, what do you say, kind of like, he's a marketing research expert. Yeah. Into yeah. kind of the human psychology. And he uses uh, subliminal cuts in a, some kind of marketing, horrible marketing film. <laughs> <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, so the, I guess the premise is his, he's got, he's working with a gentleman named Mr. Norris who uh, is going to fire him, I guess. He's going to lose a contract or something to that extent. And so, uh, Culp... I'm sorry, Dr. Kelp um, wants to, I guess... Keppel! Keppel, kill, Dr. Keppel, Keppel. thank you, wants to kill him. So, and I think there's some kind of uh, an affair going on with a model. 
Yeah, we can discuss that. I I'm lost on the motivation for the the murder on this one. What? So uh, what he he um, in the scene where they're out in the middle of the desert, almost like Nevada somewhere, where they're gonna wanted to develop. <laughs> uh, he cuts in a pitcher of a glass of iced tea. Oh, and he cranks up the heat in the theater and serves uh, Norris uh, some really really salty caviar. Which, as you guys were mentioning, makes him thirsty. He leaves, and Colt takes opportunity to shoot him at the water fountain. I kind of uh, wanted to actually discuss the uh, scene where Columbo, when he does show up, and he's starving. He's always hungry. He's always missing dinner. <laughs> I love that. And I, I just think it's interesting if I'm if I if I'm working with somebody and they constantly say, "Oh, I didn't eat dinner. I'm starving." Like, I'd be <laughs> like, "I don't care. Why are you telling me?" And so he starts what go, going after the. Wait, herbs. wait, can I interrupt? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have to go back to something that Isaac said. He said this is the perfect example of a, a anthology series or episodic episode, uh, episodic series. Yeah. Episodic television. This is one of the like two cases or two shows or two episodes in which Columbo says he mentions another case. Oh yeah, um, he says. Yeah, and I, I think he's working the case from the the previous episode at the same time. Yeah, yeah, candidate for crime. He says I was working late on that. Hay- yeah, I was working late in that Hayward case, and the and the episode right before this was with uh, candidate in crime, where the uh, I think it was the governor, one of the uh, candidates for governor, committed a crime. Played by Jackie Cooper. Yeah. And funnily enough, uh, the next episode you pick, try and catch me. He also references a previous case. He mentions uh, troubled waters. It's like, oh, Miss, me and Miss Columbo went on a cruise. Oh, then. the cruise, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he, he shows up, and one of the sergeants is like, "Why are you eating that? There was some caviar in here." <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> and not only does he not, I mean, I don't eat caviar. I think I've had it once in my life. I didn't really like it, but um, instead of putting it on a cracker, which there were crackers. He he just eats it directly from the spoon, and the uh, the sergeant says, "Oh yeah, well it's expensive stuff. It's eighty dollars a jar." Which I mean, even by today's numbers, I would never want to spend that on caviar, let alone nineteen seventy-three. Um, and I'm thinking, no one else can eat that now, because that's worse than double dipping. He's putting the the whole spoon in his mouth, and he's scraping the inside of the jar some more to get some more caviar i don't know <laughs> yeah it's really gross it's really inconsiderate actually no one else can eat it i mean yeah. it's such a waste i'd eat it are you gonna eat that no i would you would i like i like that even jokes about we better get out of here we're stealing it mm-hmm. yeah here's Columbo. he shows up to invest into a, a crime scene and he's just stealing all their food <laughs> and he says that too he goes we better go we're gonna get arrested there's about 15 dollars <laughs> in my mouth right now <laughs> That's, that's what's interesting is that he's Columbo has this, you know, even though he we see him just, you know, eat hard-boiled eggs and chili, there are a couple episodes where we see him, he really enjoys good food. Um, there was an episode, Murder Under Glass, actually one of my favorites, with Louis Jordan as the, Jordan, right. as the murderer. Right, Jordan. Jordan. And they there are multiple scenes with him eating, like, really fancy French food and Chinese food and Italian food. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's a very cultured guy, surprisingly, from his... Uh... Well, you would think after eating chili and smoking those cigars, like, you would have no taste buds left. But... <laughs> True, too. <laughs> there is one thing he says in the very first episode, or episode of the series, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, Murdered by the Book. He says to a lady, he goes, here's the secret about omelets. No eggs, just milk. I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Gotta try that one of these days. Are you going to make milk omelet? That sounds disgusting. Yeah, it makes sense that Clumbo would like that. I mean, given that you just said that he only has like a $10,000 salary per year, I assume that, well, he's not... He's I mean, he's not scrounging off the bottom, of, of course, but it just seems like you know he either makes the same meal every day or what or whatever his yeah. wife's making, and so he takes. I don't want to say he takes the opportunity, but like if it's there, he's like I might as well. So like even though like you said, he's yeah. kind of you know what, what, tampering with evidence in a, in a way, and you know, treating yeah. the caviar like it's a bowl of cereal instead. <laughs> yeah, see, he's not scrounging off the bottom; he's scrounging off the top of these rich folks. He's always uh, chasing. I don't know. You, you you see Columbo's apartment in one episode. It's pretty bad. Wait, that's not really his apartment, though. Yeah, it was. No, it's not. What's that? Was that a 90s episode? Which one was that? Yeah, it was. It was uh, a, a Friend Indeed, where... Uh, that's that. I mean, he rented that apartment, but it was just for... To trick oh, her into... Yes. No, because his underwear was in the drawer, remember? He goes, well, yeah, he put it there. Uh, Pulled out of his brown paper bag. That's his spare that he carries around. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't, that's not his regular apartment. Okay. You believe but, what you want to. And, and also, and, and, and Steve can go on about this, does he really have a wife? Because he's always talking about his wife. Oh, no. Let's save that for the next episode. Comes up there. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, hold on a second. But where else do we have to go with this one? I, I feel like, I guess I can go to one of my favorite sequences, which is the, the golf sequence. Mm. I love that when Columbo shows up, he's he's driving a golf cart right in the line of their shots. Like, what an asshole. Just calling to him. And Robert Culp doesn't even care at that point. He's just like, I'm just going to take my shot. Maybe it'll knock him out, get him out of my way. And then the whole time, Columbo's just kind of needling him. And I think at that point of the episode, they both know that, oh, the other person already knows mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm the killer here. And, but they're just kind of figuring out a way to prove it. And Columbo's just kind of snidely screwing up his game and then being like, oh, sir, another bad shot. Oh, I, just, I love that. Because uh, Columbo usually, usually plays it up more that he's being like accidentally rude. But during that golf scene, he's really just oh, yeah. putting the needle to him. And he knows that he's pissing him off. So I like that. Yeah, the gloves <laughs> are off in that, that scene. There is there is one line there that always confuses me, and that's when uh, Culp goes to uh, get his golf ball, and he says, "You know what? It's like in, a, in the bushes or a sand trap. I'll just throw it over here, and no one will oh, ever know." Love that. Like, oh, I'm just so tired of you. Could you just, uh, yeah? And I like that he's like almost pissing in Columbo's face too, because he's like, "Yeah, this is basically what I do with the murder too." No one's ever going to know. I was so slick about yeah. the way I did it. Except for you, Columbo. Who knows? <laughs> well, I think Columbo figured this one out pretty quick. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. I mean, especially uh, when we're talking about the second murder of the projectionist, uh, Roger White. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, I, I, I like that scene because one learned a few things about putting a nickel at the bottom of a film reel of a yeah. film. 
two films or two reels. Um, and the, the actor, uh, what's his name? I've seen him in so much. He's just one of those faces yeah, that's in everything. Dan, uh, I didn't write it down, but yeah, he's such a schlub. Yeah, but he's very charming. I, I really like that first scene with him in Columbo. He's just got a, they got a nice chemistry together. Yeah. Raisins, they're healthy, full of iron. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck McCann. Chuck McCann, yes, sir. There we go. He's actually voiced a lot of current day like popular cartoons. Interesting. Oh, I could see that. Eric, yeah. Eric, you're like that. You're like that guy on Ridiculousness that has the the box in front of him. You mean Sterling? <laughs> that like a pair. Yeah, I don't know what his name is, but he's like, yeah, that's right. That's exactly who that is. Did y'all see the, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm sorry, I'm doing that drunk thing where I go off on a tangent, but yeah. Yeah, he's done voices in Powerpuff Girls, Adventure Time, and many other notable oh. cartoons. Huh. Oh, wow. Huh. Cool. Oh, we're ta- you're talking about uh, Chuck McCann? Yep. Yes. Yeah. He's just so schlubby, and, and the scene where he approaches Keppel, you know, I saw oh. you monkeying with the monitors, Doctor Keppel. It's really clever how you did it. And I've got, and then like when he's done, he goes. Are oh, you talking about the blackmail scene? Yeah, yeah. Which you know, yeah. Um, and then he goes to shake his hand, and Keppel yeah. kind of like turns <laughs> the other way, like you idiot. I like when when, when Keppel says, hey, "I need you to sign a document," and I, I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck no, no, we're, I'm going to blackmail you later. <laughs> I will not be signing anything." <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, I guess. All right, that sounds okay, I guess. Yeah, and I feel bad for him because he's almost, like, even though he's got the upper hand, he's still kind of pleading and still kind of an underling. And he's like, oh, I got this great plan. Uh, uh, just give me that money. And I think he can tell that once he asks him to sign it, I think he can tell, like, oh, no, some, like, I'm, I feel like I'm losing it here. But he's still, he's still got to feel bad for him when he gets murdered. Like, yeah, he's like, oh, stop kidding around. Uh. Yeah, uh, put that down, Doctor Keppel. Don't fool around with that. Put that down. Yeah, that's not. I wouldn't be savvy running away. That's what I would be doing. <laughs> yeah. Why, why didn't he, produ- like, have some kind of backup plan? I, I guess really, Roger didn't think this through. I, I really feel like he underestimated uh, Doctor Park Keppel. Yeah, he's a dopey guy. You know, he he's just he's not quite. He's a projectionist. Yeah, he's yeah. not quite there to be pulling these kind of schemes. It, yeah, a lot of these a lot of these victims in this show are dopey. Like, you know, if you're investigating yeah. somebody for embezzlement, don't tell them. Okay, just don't say anything. Like, I can smell flim flam down to the paper clips. That's the one with uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, yeah, he doesn't have it all together. Maybe there's some of that class discussion there with him, too. He's this poor, lowly projectionist. He's trying to look to the future with his real estate things that he's just learned about in a book. Yeah, it just needs one break. <laughs> he he is the male version of, and I think only Steve and uh, Caleb will get this, Lily Lysenka. Remember yes. her? Is that, isn't that from the Steven Spielberg one, too? Yes. I still I still crave strawberries and sugar, dipped in sugar. Oh, my gosh. And champagne. <laughs> so dumb. So stupid. Yo, okay, come out to my cottage out in the forest and the lake. Okay. And we'll go. Yeah, lady, no, this is not how you. Yeah. No. Oh. I like the, the scene where Columbo you know, says, oh, we've just discovered. Uh, your projectionist was murdered. Would you like to come along? And 
I love the fact that when they're driving mm-hmm. out, Keppel is is driving, and Columbo's going to see if he knows the way oh. to the scene of the crime. I thought that was really good. And uh, yeah, that was his planned gotcha moment. Yeah, can't win them all. I like the transparency there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's that's really when you know. Yeah, and I also like when Keppel he's coming into his like video lab. And Clumbo's there talking to that underling about uh, subliminal clips. And that's his first time where he's kind of like, oh shit, mm-hmm. Clumbo. Yeah. I wasn't underestimating this guy. But did you guys recognize the uh, yes. guy was helping him out there? <laughs> Absolutely. Who is it? Uh, he was in Spaceballs. He was the second command to... Uh... Oh! Yeah, he had some pretty famous lines. I can't remember them now. Yeah, Greg Weiner. Was he an asshole? I did not. I know it. Oh, Colonel Sanders. Yeah, what's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? <laughs> yeah, very blubbery. He showed up in a lot of comedies from that yes. time period. He also played the rabbi in A Serious Man. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, the middle one. Okay, okay, there's three of them. Okay, all right. Yes! Oh, wow. Yeah, I recognize him right away. He just has that noticeable face and nose. Can we go back to the grocery store scene? I always liked, I think we pointed this out on, on the confab, but uh, all the products that are in there, I just, <laughs> I'm I'm almost more mesmerized oh. by the things on the shelves than what actually is being done on the scene with the actors. Yes. 100 million percent. Uh, like the, 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 the cartons of cigarettes just out in the open. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like a bunch mm-hmm. of Lucky Strikes. I don't even know if they still make Lucky Strikes cigarettes. But the other brands I didn't recognize at all. Anyone? Anybody notice? True. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I have noticed this before. Um, I I get a big kick out of, out of stuff like this because you know it's a real supermarket. Obviously, you can just yeah. tell it's shot in location, and the prices for everything and the uh, a lot of this has not. Well, the prices have changed, but the advertising in supermarkets has not changed. Um, but uh, he does say something very interesting when he says, Columbo, you know how to move around a store. Uh, it's true. That's a thing. Because all the supermarkets, all the stores, the HEBs, uh, that those are the ones in Texas that are, you know, good. They're all set up the same. With You've got your meat products at the end. And anyway, nice <laughs> observance. Well, yeah, there's psychology to it. Yeah, um, and of course, of course, the two of them are the only men in the whole supermarket. <laughs> it's all housewives shopping because that's how it was in nineteen seventy. Yeah, it's the seventies. Yeah, know. it was it was interesting because like uh, when when they walked by the um, the processed meats, like Oscar Mayer, I'm pretty sure I saw yes. some olive loaf <laughs> in there, uh, and some liverwurst. Oh, I remember eating that crap when I was a kid. Parents loved. I love it. Buy it, and I ended up. Now I miss liverwurst. I don't know if you gentlemen, Eric, you've had it. I love it. What do you, I? I probably had it as recently as a year ago. I haven't seen it in the supermarket, and I can't remember the last time. I don't buy because it it's it's insanely expensive now, which I don't understand because it's liver. But you have to you have to buy it at the same place that you buy Reggiano Parmigiana. Mm. Remember that? No. Okay. No, there was this. Sounds familiar, but there was a, there was an episode where at the crime scene the victim was eating like fruit and Reggiano Parmigiano, oh. 
and like Columbo right. smelled it before he saw it. And that's <laughs> not a cheese you eat raw. Uh, eat like that. I found that out the hard way. Yeah, it is ridiculously expensive. Not as much as caviar, but it's it's, it's expensive. Anyway, uh, yeah, I just want to chime in the grocery store itself. Yeah, I completely obsess about such things, especially things shot in whatever previous decade and. Even though I wasn't alive in 73, it's similar enough that it can remind me of my own childhood memories of grocery stores. And I, I just, I can never get enough of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I noticed all the things that everybody brought up already. And yeah, especially the Oscar Mayer stuff, because the packaging that hasn't changed. It was basically <laughs> identical for like, it, until like 10 years ago, they slightly altered it. But it was that same packaging like most of my life. Um and it's weird. I I started, I started uh, a month ago. I I watched a bunch of episodes of this Guy Fieri show on cable. It's like Grocery Wars or something, and it's shot in a in a real supermarket somewhere. And the Guy Fieri, the supermarket in the show, in the Guy Fieri show, it's it's like they took this exact same grocery store and just updated the decor. For, for current times because the layout is like exactly the same um, and yeah that's, that's a lot of fun and I noticed the watermelon was uh, 5 or 6 cents per pound depending on which watermelon <laughs> yeah. you bought yes. um, but no it's, it's I love it and, and that actual store closed in 1987 by the way <laughs> what the hell how do you know that because I was looking up um, okay. filming locations it was like a I never heard of the chain it was like Gemco or something in, huh. in in LA, and it shut down eighty seven. That particular location. Yeah, Sean, I hired Eric to be the man in the chair on this one. He's he's yeah. There you he's go. behind the screens looking everything up. So well, because I wanted to know, like you know, yeah, what chain it was. Trivia corner with Eric. Yeah, he sent me all that information about the writer. I didn't mention that. I didn't want to give him credit. <laughs> By the way, Robert Culp is wearing a wig in this scene. <laughs> oh, I did want to mention. I looked it up. And Robert Culp was 43 when he made this episode. Holy cow. Jesus Christ. And I was like, damn, that's what 43 looked like in the early 70s? Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying. Did you know, I read this, um, that the yellow jacket that uh, Dr. Keppel's wearing, that's actually Robert Culp's yes. own personal. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that hey, up. He was rocking it. Yeah, that was a really cool jacket, actually, <laughs> and I wouldn't mind it myself. But it wouldn't quite fit me as well as it fit Robert Culp. Uh, I, I want to say more with that jacket. But I just caught a mistake watching the um, show. Um, mm. When uh, Dr. Keppel goes to um, plant the gun or whatever, uh, and he uses the credit card trick to open the door. Mm. Uh, I've done that many times, the credit card trick in real life. But he's, he's no. doing it on the deadbolt. It is absolutely impossible to jimmy a deadbolt with with anything yes i know it only works on the uh whatever you call the the part that hits the strike plate the the part of the the door like if you had a a door that locks on the actual doorknob then it'll work Mm -hmm. on those but deadbolts it's impossible yeah and i won't ask why you uh why you're aware of this piece of information but because i've worked at a lot of places that had secure doors and fuck all if i'm gonna go through the proper procedure to, to get someone to get me the keys so I've I, oh, this is... I've learned to break into a lot of doors. I used to be able to break into almost any car like before the year 2000, um, pretty easily. This is reminding me of our uh, our True Lies episode. Where, 
really. <laughs> Eric exposed. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, where he's talking about how, you know, the whole, like, what's how we could actually get inside the Pentagon, but you said you would tell us that, like, you know, after the fact. Oh, that's easy. Exactly. That's that's what I was going to say. I don't want to mention the, the reason behind my reference. That was super easy. I mean, in the pre-9-11, super easy. <laughs> there is a, uh, yeah, uh, one of the big mistakes a lot of Columbos make, uh, or Columbo murderers make, is that they... Uh, they try to frame someone who was just completely innocent. In this case, he tries mm. to frame their mm. wife. And it makes a great scene with Columbo talking to uh, Norris's wife. Poor woman. Could you be, imagine being married to that? Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Damn. Wait. Because he was the vilest looking man. Oh, okay. But um, Oh, I thought you meant married to her. Well, no, she's normal looking. For That's why I was confused. I get it now. Thir- 39 or however old she was back then. <laughs> and, and she, she, she's like, okay, well, somebody called and asked me, you know, because it was Robert Culp calling her up. He's like, you know, I, you know, I think we should meet, you know, and I think you should know about it. Oh, I love that. So she shows up at that meeting. Yeah, when he does that voice. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But he says, I don't think you did it. Why? Uh, my wife, she's got no head for crime. If she committed a murder, she'd come up with a better excuse than you did. And it's true. That's like a great alibi. Like, well, somebody called me to show up at this street and this street, and I showed up and didn't show up. So I was like, sounds like a typical grinder date to me. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, and then I think that it was a mistake trying to frame her because it was so obvious that he was already focused on her like that was kind of a dumb yeah. mistake so yeah and it it didn't really play enough in the episode too it's such a small piece of it yeah it kind of yeah i kind of forgot about it even i think there, there were more scenes with her but i think that got cut yeah yes i've seen the pictures mm. um there were a little bit more scene or a longer scene with her and also tanya baker who is the lady that uh, Norris sleeps with that Keppel tries to blackmail him with. And Caleb, was it you that you, you didn't understand the motive? Yes, it was Caleb. Yeah. What's the, yeah, I'm confused about what the motive is. Why, why exactly is he killing him? Well, Keppel blackmailed Norris. Norris was going to fire Keppel. So Keppel arranged for Tanya Baker to sleep with Norris. Okay. It was the old Jeffrey Epstein mm-hmm. routine. Yeah. Oh boy. So she sleeps with him and then she takes off. She's in another country. I can't remember what country she's in. But wait, was it was the motive really just because he was gonna fire him? You didn't want to lose that client? No, no, that was more than that. It was that he was blackmailing oh, him. Okay. Which would be, you know, if, if Norris told that to the authorities or the powers that be, uh, uh Keppel would probably lose his business. So that's the motive mm. right there. Um, oh, okay. So the lady that he used to blackmail Norris with is Tanya Baker, and if you if you look at the end, there's an actress listed as Tanya Baker. Uh, so either Tanya Baker, uh, or I'm sorry, the actress I can't remember her name. She she appeared in another Columbo episode, but I have this theory that she might be the lady in the advertising, the the stupid advertising film that he shows him. That's what I think too. Yeah, there's like a quick. It's not. It's not. It's not her. It's not. Okay. It's not. Because that is like a a typical blonde, um, different Caucasian woman with different facial features. The reason I know this 
is because the actress who does play Tanya Baker is very notable for a totally different role outside of Columbo. She she is Spock's wife. Oh. Buck's wife? Like Buck Rogers? Spock. Oh, Spock! Oh, Spock. oh, Mr. Spock. She is Spock's wife in Amok Time. She is T'Pring, the original. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. She she was in another Columbo episode, The Greenhouse Jungle, where, not one of my favorites, where she played uh, the victim's wife. Uh, where uh, Greenhouse Jungle. That was the one with, oh, God, what's the guy's name? The Lost Weekend guy. Um, oh, fuck. I can't remember his name. Anyway, do you, do you, do you want to talk about uh, Try and Catch Me? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we could, we should wrap this one up. There's only a couple more things I want to mention. Okay, yeah, there's a couple things I want to mention, too. Just one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I did like, uh, during that early exchange with the projectionist, when he asked Columbo, like, you like rest, you like westerns, right? I don't know, that seemed to fit. I, I could see Columbo liking to, f- to flash back to that older period of time with the westerns. But then later on in the episode, we see that this same theater is playing High Plains Drifter. I was like, what the hell? Why, why'd they include that? A little reference uh, back to westerns, but just strange. I didn't realize this was a real theater. Oh, yeah. You guys noticed that? <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that, but I think it's the Magnolia Theater that was very famous in the LA area. Uh, no longer functional. Yeah, I don't know why they they referenced that movie. Maybe just the writer or director was a big fan of it or something. But... Again, I'm such a novice on Columbo and the character in particular, but that thing you just mentioned about the Western thing, mm-hmm. I still don't know if, if Columbo, the character, is being genuine and and he really does just love to watch westerns, or if this is just part of his like detective technique. Because, and I only say this, as being like almost like a functional sociopath myself, um, <laughs> I do this all the time with people. And they're like, oh, you must like um, uh, uh, Antique Roadshow. How did you know? No, I don't. But I mean, sometimes I do that just... Because, you know, because it keeps the flow and then, and then like, I don't want to get into it because then I'll start revealing too many of my secrets of persuasion. Jesus but, Christ. Uh, oh, no. no, but I'm being no. completely sincere right now, though. <laughs> this is this is not a bit. Turns out he doesn't even like Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, yeah. Turns out he has a lady in his freezer. I've said too much. Jeez, stuffed in the fridge. That's bad. I, I, I can oh, no. testify that Columbo does indeed like westerns. Uh, there was one episode where it came up, and you could tell. Um, this gun for hire, Alan Ladd Jr., um, the scene in uh, the wine one with Donald Pleasance, any old port. Uh, Julie Harris plays his secretary, uh, Donald Pleasance's secretary. That would have been a good one, actually, to watch. Uh, Love it. Yeah where she talks about watching Alan Ladd. Um, that was one of the ones where the, the, the blackmailer does not get killed uh, near the end of the, the episode. Because uh, Donald Pleasance, he doesn't have two murders in him. He can't kill her. No. Yeah. God, you know, it, it's this, this show is so well written each episode. I just feel, you know, because, yes. you know, when you look at an episode like that, oh, well, he wouldn't do that because of this and that. You've known this person for an hour and... Mm-hmm. five minutes 
and you know that he's not going to do that. That is excellent. That is great writing, you know? And this back and forth that we see in this episode in Double Exposure between Culp and Falk, I, you don't see that in Poker Face. And that's something that I would really like to see in Poker Face. Um, I think the only episode that we see it in is the barbecue one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of. Or no, no. Or the the one with the old people, the, the two ladies, the ex-hippies. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like more. And I'll say from... For many years of watching something like CSI, and I think CSI is one of the reasons I wrote off these kind of shows, because most of the characters in that program just felt like they stopped existing when I looked away from the screen. Yes! They didn't really feel like real people. Columbo is, is filled with fascinating people that we do spend enough time. Really, I think that's one of the benefits of starting from their perspective. It really gets you in their head, and just seeing the way that they would craft a murder really tells you something about them. You know what's great? What's interesting about the show, uh, well, maybe it is great, but usually when you say antagonist and protagonist, the protagonist is the hero. It's Luke Skywalker. It's Han Solo. The antagonist is the villain. It's Darth Vader. You know, I don't know. J.C. Voorhees, whoever. In this in this series, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I pulled that out of my ass. In this, in this the villain... The, the, the person that does the killing is the protagonist. Mm -hmm. And the good guy, the cop, that comes and interrogate, interrogates them is the antagonist. The story is told from the villain's, or, or from the, the murderer's viewpoint, you know? So it flips it. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things that makes the mask of Columbo so interesting is because I feel like, some of the time I feel like I know these victims a lot, or these murderers a lot more than I actually do know Columbo. Mm -hmm. I know the the image of Columbo that he paints, but you don't nearly get as much of his POV or who he is inside as much as we get of these guys. So that's also quite interesting. And it kind of reminds me of a bit of Doctor Who as well. I know that you always used to mention him at the tavern. Oh, here we go. Here we go. But I always like the element of episodic TV of having this kind of vehicle. And with Doctor and Columbo, they have the same kind of thing, where it's a vehicle that we don't fully really ever know that character. We never could that's just the way the show's designed yeah. and he kind of it's the people that we meet in the story that are around that vehicle that are the real kind of fleshed out characters I, I just think that is perfect for episodic television I'd love to see that kind of format come back but I don't know I don't know if modern audiences really like that kind of thing anymore because considering what they've done with new Doctor if you want to call that show Doctor <laughs> but anyway let's yeah let's quickly move away from that before I spoil well, let, 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 let me just <laughs> Sure. <laughs> no, a little soliloquy. One more thing. One more thing. Let me say, from my perspective, and you know, I already explained my prior relationship with Columbo, which wasn't much, um, and it's been ages since the last time I watched any Columbo. Uh, let me just say, I thought this episode was absolutely incredible. Um, no, seriously, I, I was. Dude, hold my beer. <laughs> it was. It was so good. Twitter. So good. I was completely into it from start to finish. This whole thing with Columbo and Dr. Keppel was like this whole Sherlock Moriarty thing going on, which I really liked because it was like genius versus genius and all kinds. Mm -hmm. of, it was like this whole chess game, really, the entire episode. Mm -hmm. um, and I just loved all the setup. I loved how it like brought in these elements of like filmmaking from behind the scenes. Um, 
it is like this pseudo psychology talk. I mean, I love the episode, and I, I'm 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 dismissing the whole thing about the actual um, subliminal um, persuasion mm-hmm. because it doesn't work that amazing, or it doesn't work at all in real life. I mean, in the way in that way with the hidden frame. Um, but I'm just gonna go, just go with it. I'm just gonna accept it uh, because that would be the only thing that's kind of like a, a, a niggle. But it, it was just oh okay. <laughs> and the other thing, yeah, and I didn't know how often they did it, but having like the second murder or whatever, that that was a distraction to enjoyment because um, <laughs> that was lame. Uh, that was like really lame. Um, and and I could have. And and then I also learned something that I didn't know about at all, because even though I know a little bit about firearms and 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 such matters, I never knew there was such a thing as a recalibrator device. Mm. Wait, no, a calibration converter. Right, and I didn't yes. know I didn't know such a thing existed because that definitely would have helped with me trying to figure out how this whole situation with the gun and, oh. and the forensics worked because I I literally did not know such a thing existed. It, seems dangerous in my mind like usually that yeah. would have, you just said that would have helped when i and i'm like kill the guy <laughs> yeah the, the talk about the fridge thing no i know who killed the guy but to, to like explain yeah. like why the gun was so clean and and why they couldn't find the right caliber i didn't know such a device existed and it was just and i and i was wondering like why was this one picked and i i almost thought that this might have been considered like one of the greatest episodes of all time because I just thought, man, this is really, oh. really good. Like, uh, like how could there be like twenty others that are this good um, all the way around? And then I can't remember uh, if Sean had mentioned it in social media a while back, but um, yeah, I noticed the ploy or not the ploy, but the the subterfuge that was reused in in the barbecue episode of po- Poker Face was like used in this episode um like the exact same thing with the having the recording playing so that it it's Mm. sort of like a quasi alibi Mm. because how could he be doing it if he was like live speaking on the microphone they use the exact same ploy in the barbecue episode of poker face the the barber the barbecue episode of poker face is actually i think I wouldn't say remake, but maybe an homage or a, you know a hat tip to um, the Donald Pleasance episode of Columbo because the beginning is exactly the same. We have two brothers that are in a business together. In, in Columbo, it's a wine a winery, and one says, "I'm out," you know, and then so the other one um, asphyxiate, asphyxiates him. Uh, but we do his motive. That that whole murder is questionable, but his his alibi is that he's in New York. But uh, yeah, that's another just stellar one. Uh, yeah, and Eric, if you think this is like, oh my god, so good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can probably count on one hand how many of these stories I just thought sucked. Yes, absolutely, and most of them are from the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, well, the Robbie the Robot one. There was Robbie the Robot in one episode. Oh my god, that one's okay. It's uh, but it's not great. It's okay. Extremely <laughs> high marks for me on just this one single episode. Extremely enjoyable. And that's what's stunning about Columbo is they've. I mean, this one wouldn't make my wouldn't make my favorites list of like top five, but 
but it's a great episode, and Columbo is just full of gems. It's it's stunning how consistent this show was in the 70s. Well, there is one thing that this episode has that is bar none better than any other in the entire series. So a lot of these murder mysteries, like Columbo, even Murder, she wrote, when the show ends, they do it like a freeze frame. And then credits. <laughs> this one has to be the best freeze frame ending <laughs> I've ever seen. It's when Robert Culp is looking at that negative of the picture that uh, yes. shows his guilt that was used in, a, in one of his films as a subliminal message. And uh, he looks at it, and he starts to smile, and he turns over, and he looks got that crazy ass expression on his face he's lost yeah he's 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 yeah he's he's excited that you know the the technique that he developed was used and it was used yes absolutely used successfully on him but that look that that robert cult does is just amazing it's it's so memorable yes I, i could have sworn one time viewing this that he was crying but I don't think so anymore. Yeah, I could see it on my 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 TV today. There's tears. Yeah. Oh, there are tears. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That that's and he's even like you got to you got to give it to me, Lieutenant. You couldn't have you couldn't have figured this out with my technique. He's so <laughs> obsessed with his his brilliance. Yeah, yeah. That even this murder has to come down to him. <laughs> Typical Columbo murderer fashion. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's a perfect ending. It is one of the all time best for this show. Eric, te- check out either. I just have to say this. Check out the Dick Van Dyke one and playback. The one that Steve doesn't like because he doesn't have any taste. Oh. Playback is another good one. It's dated, but it's good. Steve's quiet. Well, but for you, Isaac, before we uh, surrounding this down now, do you have any lingering thoughts you want to mention before we give final thoughts on Double Exposure? I will share it kind of in the other one as well. I have thoughts about this one and any other one, but we'll wrap up this one for now. Uh, is that I kind of, maybe this is me being like the lowest common denominator uh, and a simple-minded person, but I will say there's a, there's a point in the entire episode where I almost have a, I don't know if Columbo's going to do it. I don't know if like, like how, I, I, even I'm just questioning like, all right, how is Columbo going to like, get uh, like figure this out? How is he going to solve the case? There's, there's almost like a, there's a tension for me where I'm, I'm worried that he's not going to be able to catch the killer. Uh, cause we see it. I, I think that's pretty cool that we, we see the killer like, you know, uh, pull off the murder and I'm like, all right, how is Columbo going to realistically and plausibly figure out a way to get the guy? And I will be a little bit with Eric. I'm like the whole subliminal messaging thing. I'm like, <laughs> all right. I mean, was, was that a joke on like, subliminal messaging to the public of like hey movies are filled with this or is that like just a thing from the 60s i have no idea it was a thing from 57 i fit oh, there you go so never mind i'm i mean correct on that but still i i i was kind of worried in a way of like oh, i don't know if like Columbo's gonna like be able to figure this out like i really was like how is he gonna like catch him and yeah i i, I appreciate that where they were able to do that in the end so call me simple-minded but <laughs> I, I enjoy that kind of stuff and I'm just going to say that I think the fact that there's a calibration converter hidden in a lamp may not necessarily be, uh, I don't know, you're going to prison. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see it there beyond a reasonable doubt uh, because he had a bunch of guns in his office. But that's, I don't know. That's a topic. I'd love to have a podcast where it's like a courtroom 
you've got your defendant and your prosecutor and a judge, and they're trying to defend the, you know, uh, the, the Columbo murderer is up for trial. And I only know a couple where for sure they're going to the gallows. This is not one of them. I can see that. So. <laughs> Certainly not. Why don't you just, why don't you ask the, uh, what is that, that, that YouTuber, that, that actual lawyer who does that YouTube channel that looks over like pop culture trials? Oh! Whatever his name, Eagle Lawyer, or whatever his name is. I didn't know about that one. I knew that the Legal Geeks podcast, I knew about them. I'm, I'm just thinking of like a YouTuber who like looks at various, you know, legal cases in, you know, fictitious media, like uh, pop culture media, excuse me. So I was just like, yeah, why don't you like go ask him and be like, hey, let's let's do like a mock trial or something like that between these guys. It'd be kind of cool. I don't know. <laughs> well, Steve, do you have any lingering thoughts or should we jump right into your uh, I'm hoping that you prepared a number for us for your uh, the typical rating. Oh, no, I didn't. I, I was not expecting that. But <laughs> Well, if not, I've got one that we could do. It's an obvious one. I'll let you go and pick it then. But yeah, I just yeah, I think it was a, a really good episode. I, it's not my favorite Robert Culp one, but uh, I mean, it's still a really good episode. Yeah, and for for you, Steve, how would you rate it out of twenty-two? Why twenty-two? Oh, because of the caliber of the gun. Okay, <laughs> the caliber. <laughs> yes. <laughs> About the what? What is it? Twenty-two caliber of the. Yeah, the caliber. Of the oh, gun. okay, okay. Uh, hmm. I don't remember how I rated it last time I had reviewed this, but uh, I mean, I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I think uh, maybe a solid 17 would be good. And I'm curious to hear how Eric's going to do this, because I remember the one time you were on the tavern, you were like, ah, shit. I remember you saying you weren't good with these kind of ratings. But <laughs> but how about you, Sean? How would you rate this one? Um. I like. I think it's pretty perfect, except for the murder itself. This is one of those murders. Uh, it's not as questionable as Mind Over Mayhem, where you have Robbie the Robot, I mentioned <laughs> earlier, providing an alibi. <laughs> Steve knows what I'm talking about, but I don't even know if this would really work. Like I, I I've heard it would work, and it's been outlawed, as they say in the episode, outlawed. Like we're in the Wild West. <laughs> It, oh, you're talking about the subliminal thing? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't work. See, that's what I wasn't sure about. Like, if it's just one frame, I don't know. Yeah, but but everybody thought it did, though. It The, the thought, like, lasted for 30-plus years, starting in 1957. And it was... An urban legend. Yeah, and well, it was an urban legend. This uh, um, Madison... Uh, uh, is it Madison Street Avenue? Um, uh, a guy, an ad man, an ad man in the fifties. Um, he had they had this screening for this movie, and he told like the audience afterwards that there was little cuts of uh, Coca Cola and popcorn, and he claimed that those little subliminal cuts, uh, like increased Coke sales by like fifty seven percent and like popcorn by like eighteen percent, um, and it freaked out like everybody, uh, like I mean the public. Like everyone like just was like oh my god and the uk made it illegal to do such cuts um because of this like hysteria um but they they've like tried to recreate it like in modern times and it, it doesn't do anything in, in testing oh now we, now we have uh placement ads so yeah <laughs> yeah i'm with eric it's told like bullcraft <laughs> huh because now uh you know if, if you look at the movie seven at the end or, you know, you have uh, Brad Pitt with the gun on Kevin Spacey. 
there are what they call subliminal cuts of Gwen Paltrow's severed severed head in the oh, box. Wow. Uh, but I, you can you can see them. You can't tell what it is, and it's not. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Did you uh, did you give a number, Sean? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, Nineteen. Nineteen. I didn't like the murder itself. I thought it was kind of undependable, but. Man, the cat and mouse uh, gameplay in this episode is on max. It's on 11, so um, yeah. that's why I rate it so highly. Yeah. And how about you, Eric, out of 22? I don't know. 18 feels right to me. Uh, 22 feels like an easy number to subdivide. And because I liked it so much, I, I give it a, an, an 18. Um, yeah, the caviar would be $542 for that jar today. You better. I would eat it off the floor. Wow. I don't. I I, I. I. don't care. Oh my god! Like caviar is not my favorite thing in the world, but I do like caviar. It is delicious, and because of the price tag, I would absolutely lick it off the floor. <laughs> what an ugly image. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say that that I haven't already said or hasn't been said by somebody else. How about you, Isaac? Yeah. Subliminal cuts are complete pseudoscience, and I'd say this is a a decent episode. I'd, I'd probably give it like an A minus B plus, so like a seventeen out of twenty two, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't do the math there. Yeah, and I'm gonna go with the nineteen. This is straight down the line, Columbo firing on all cylinders. Um, I do think a couple little bits, like the motivation, doesn't feel particularly strong, and yeah, the typical kind of oh the second murder yeah that i don't know a lot of episodes when it pops up i don't feel like it adds a ton and that's the same here but but this is really solid stuff you could actually take out uh chuck mccann in that whole second episode second episode second murder and it wouldn't make much of a difference because there's nothing in there that implicates him really um but i think maybe it was filler but i don't mind you know it's yeah it was okay yeah yeah, the the first scene with Columbo and the projectionist was, was so charming. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So. Yeah, he reminds me of the actor who played uh, Gomer Pyle. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. Chuck McCann. But Isaac, uh, do you want to end it out for us? Uh, well, thank you, Steve, Sean, and Eric for uh, this episode of Columbo. Well, we hope to have you guys back for another one we do anytime soon. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And until um, next time, don't you believe... Subliminal messaging. It's a post-hypnotic suggestion. It's utter crap.
Yeah, but I'll do a message for our sponsors and I'll run to the washroom and get some more wine before we start the next one. Me too. After these messages, we'll be right back. Every 13 seconds, a crime is committed. Crimes of passion and power. Can anybody here tell me, did it rain last Tuesday? Can this man help? Columbo, the most underestimated sleuth, is back with Columbo, the collector's edition on video cassette. Your first video is only $4.95 and features the original two-hour series premiere. Emmy award-winning Peter Falk is Columbo, a detective with an M.O. all his own. The Falk's exit. What, something else? What's the matter with me? Uh, one other thing, uh, the angle of the bullet. It's a darn good show, raped Cleveland Amory. Columbo, the collector's edition on video, complete and uncut. Apprehend your first classic mystery for only $4.95 with subscription. Find out if Columbo will meet his match, or if he knows more than he's letting on. To get your first video of Columbo, the collector's edition, for only $4.95 plus $3.59 shipping, have your credit card ready and call 1-800-360-9400.